folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to just hang out with the chat for a little bit tonight, do a little bit of a mailbag episode. I know the NFL draft is going right now, too. My apologies. I've just got to take advantage of, of the opportunity that we have to talk about this series prior to uh, I, I think this is the most important series of the Nuggets era. I, I do. I think that this is the one. And if if we're not going to be able to talk about it a bunch, like look, we'll have plenty of time during the series. Don't get me wrong, but this is plenty of opportunity to lead up to it. And there's a lot of storylines, a lot of anticipation. But we're going to go over the mailbag today. I wanted to make sure that everybody had an opportunity to send in their questions that they had. Should be good. I'm looking forward to it. We'll get to those in a little bit. But if you're in the chat, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to say this multiple times. But if you're in the chat, make sure to drop your questions in the comments section below as well. We'll try to get to those. But I've got some questions that are preloaded in from Twitter as well. And we should have a good time. That, that'll be good. But uh, we'll do that in the second and third segment of the show, I think. But the first segment, we're going to go over practice. We're going to go over the notes and quotes from practice today. Denver practice today at about, I think it was about one. Is it one? Yeah, I, th- I think it was one when, when they actually let us into the building. Uh, and then they'll practice again tomorrow. That should be good, too. Uh, and then they'll have shoot around on Saturday and then game one on Saturday night. That's how the the process usually works, and they seem pretty good, seem pretty happy, seem pretty healthy. Uh, First thing I have there is just excellent vibes in general on on practice. There's just a lot of smiles, a lot of positivity, a lot to be excited about if you are a Nuggets fan. And the players were there running around, jumping around, laughing, doing a shooting drill when, when we came into the building, and... Uh, they were very excited. They were very excited to be there, very pumped and, and just enjoying life. And that's what it should be about, right? This series is about to take years off their lives. <laughs> I really do think that, that this is going to be a very stressful time. The worst thing you can do is be super irritated and annoyed up until that point for sure. I do think that it's better to be loose. It's better to be having fun. Because the moment game one hits, you know the tone of this series is going to shift. Wouldn't surprise me even if tomorrow, uh, Friday, if, if that tone is a little bit different. Uh, but also, like it, as soon as this series just continues to pick up, there's going to be a lot of intensity. There's going to be a lot of focus. There's going to be a lot of uh, probably angst in general and not as much positivity for sure. But that's okay. That's just how these things usually work. Spoke to Bruce Brown today, spoke to Aaron Gordon today, spoke to Nicole, uh, Michael Malone today, excuse me. I uh, have some quotes from all of those guys here. Uh, just in general, I thought the uh, scrubs were pretty reasonable. Nothing nothing too out of whack, very standard, very standard stuff all throughout today. But Bruce Brown, I thought, had some interesting things to say. He obviously played with Kevin Durant uh, during his career and, and spent a couple of years there before going to Denver. Uh, on the style of basketball in this series, quote, they have KD, they have Book, they have CP. So a lot of people who've been in the playoffs before, a lot of experience, more scoring. Uh, 
not groundbreaking analysis there from from Bruce, but I do think that it's an important thing to kind of set the tone for this series. Uh, all those guys, KD, Book, CP, those guys are pros. Those guys have been around for a long time. They are going to set the tone. They're more talented in general than what the Minnesota Timberwolves have. And they also just have been in this situation before, unlike the Timberwolves as a team, which is, this is really their first major taste ever since, I think they, it was 2018, back in after Game 82, where Denver loses that game, Minnesota wins. They lose that series in five games, or was it four? It was one of the two. And it was just a very ugly, quick series for them, but Minnesota didn't really have any experience, and they still didn't when Denver just faced them this last round. Now, uh, I think this Phoenix team, is they've been around the block. Now, the difference is KD hasn't been with this group for a while, and there's a lot of guys on the end of the bench and then even the middle of the bench that I don't think you can really have a lot of trust in. Uh, but they still have a lot of experience as, as a core group, and they know what to expect. Uh, and as Bruce says, more scoring is going to be prevalent for sure. Uh, Bruce's quote on how to slow down elite shot makers, quote, just make it tough, contest every shot they have, be physical with them, wear them down. We know they're playing the most minutes in the NBA right now. And I thought that this was interesting just because Bruce knows and Bruce understands, and then he that's that's part of the scouting report on this team is that they play 40 plus minutes a night for all of their main guys. Uh, maybe not Eaton, maybe not CP at various points, Chris Paul, but with Devin Booker and KB and KD for sure, those guys are playing heavy minutes. And the one thing about the Clippers that I don't think you can really say is they didn't really make the Suns guys work that much. They didn't really make them have to stress, have to struggle in those situations in order to uh, contest those shots in order to like, like on the, on the Suns defensive end, the Clippers offensive end, they didn't really have to work for that much, even though the Clippers found ways to score. Uh, I think part of that is because the Suns knew that they were going to win that series. As soon as Kawhi Leonard went down, the, it was the formality at that point, and that's makes it pretty tough. But I do think contesting those shots, being physical, wearing them down is going to be a big part of this series. Denver gets worn down too. Jamal Murray gets worn down too. He has a lot of pressure on him as like the lone ball handler on the team. Uh, Bruce Brown has a little bit of ball handling chops, of course, but between those two, that's, that's really it. And then with Jokic, it's just a little bit of a different style than what the Suns do, but they're going to get worn down too, but if you're going to if you're going to stop the Suns, best thing you got to do, I think, is just make them work. And we're going to talk about that in the mailbag section for sure, but I do think that Bruce has got it right on the head here. Got to be physical, got to play them really tough during that stretch and, and I think he's he's right on. And finally, on, on Jokic's defense, quote, every big can get killed in the pick and roll no matter what coverage they're in. I thought that this was, was just kind of thrown in there, not necessarily. Like, he was asked about Jokic's defense and how he doesn't necessarily get credit for his defense and whether he should or shouldn't remains to be seen. Like We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of this playoff run, but I do think that he's right. That 
when Rudy Gobert gets spread out in the pick and roll, and let's say, let's say you've got Jamal Murray, but instead of Nikola Jokic, they had uh, Denver had, I don't know, uh, prime DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, just kind of like kind of like a Rudy Gobert clone himself. Or let's just say it's a pick and pop big, and you've got somebody who can really just hit threes out there. It's tougher for a guy like Rudy to be able to cover. If you have to run a switching scheme, then Rudy's fine in, in those situations, but he's, I think, emblematic of the best defensive center in the NBA for most parts. Bam Adebayo, who's another guy who I think fits that. In different pick-and-roll coverages, they can just switch it and be fine with him. But against traditional centers, Bam Adebayo really struggles. He really struggles in that regard. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jokic handles this defensive series. I do think that that's going to be something that stands out. But it is going to be very interesting to see what they do. Um, Lucas, I appreciate the compliment, man. Congrats on the awesome work. I been listening to your pod for a long time, but never took the time to say how much I appreciate it. Cheers from Brazil. Thank you, Lucas. That's very kind. Very kind. I do appreciate it. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Gordon now. Aaron Gordon, who is... I, I thought he was a little bit surly. A little, like Not necessarily in his best mood today. There are some questions that I think he answered a little bit short. Uh, he's talking about KD, talking about a lot of different things in general, but this one about KD on guarding him, quote, you just try to slow him down, make it difficult on him, uh, for him. KD's a special talent, has been for a long time, will continue to be, just trying to make it as difficult as you can for him, uh, dot, 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 trying to switch up the looks. And it was interesting. Aaron was also asked today about, like, is he excited for that matchup? Is he excited for the opportunity to guard KD? And he kind of shied away from that a little bit, said he was more excited about helping the Nuggets win the series against the Suns. And that's interesting to me. Part of me thinks, okay, is he actually going to get the matchup on KD? Do they put Michael Porter on KD? Do they put, I don't know, do they put Aaron Gordon on KD, but just for constantly doubling him every single time, trying to get the ball out of his hands? I don't know. Like, that's going to be very interesting. But it also kind of made me think about Dylan Brooks and how he was all about that smoke, wanted that smoke as much as he did, and then immediately ducked all the, the consequences of getting cooked and playing like crap. Uh, I don't think that Aaron Gordon was trying to give any uh, motivation. I don't think he was trying to give any window uh, or what am I trying to say? A billboard material, something you put up on the mirror, motivational speech for KD. He's just going to try to slow him down. He's going to try to stay under the radar. He's going to be like trying to, I'm just going to try to make it as tough for you as possible, man. I know you're really good. I know you're really talented, but I'm going to just try to make it really tough on you. And, and maybe that's the right call. Maybe it's just not trying to rile up KD and get the competitive juices out of him. Just more like, hey. Oh man, Aaron Gordon. Tough matchup for me, but but really good guy. Maybe maybe that's the, the direction that AG's trying to go. Aaron Gordon on the differences between regular season and playoff Jamal Murray. Didn't really expand upon this one much, but he said he's definitely picked his level up and, and then referenced his efficiency for much of that time. And 
I don't know if it's his efficiency. Like, I mean, he's he's shooting more efficiently. There's no doubt about that. But I think he's more focused. I think Jamal is. I, I think he rises to these moments pretty well in those situations. But I don't know. Aaron's like his, some of his answers were were a little bit odd today. Uh, and then Aaron on stylistic differences between the Wolves and the Suns. Quote, last series, the paint was really packed. It was hard to get anything in the paint, dot, dot, dot. I think we will be able to attack the rim a little bit better this series as well. Expanded upon a couple of other categories, but I do want to touch on that last point here. Uh, The paint being as packed as it is, it being as difficult as it was in that T-Wolf series when you're facing two seven-footers. You've got some other guys that are tall and athletic as well uh, that do a really good job of protecting the rim. KD is also seven foot as a power forward, so it's not going to be super easy in to, like, to just shoot at the rim against him. But he's a guy that you have to go up strong over. He's a guy that if he has to keep battling you on that end of the floor, it might be more difficult for him to do everything that he wants to do on the offensive end. It might drain him a little bit more. That's the hope is that if you play 43 minutes a game, Every single game of the series, then by game five, game six, game seven, your hands are on your knees a little bit more. Uh, That's the battle. Or or you don't provide as much resistance at the rim, in which case then Aaron Gordon has a point. So that's something that I would definitely be watching for. Can Denver win the points in the paint battle? And is that something that they continue to push for, uh, given that they have a a larger advantage here than against the T-Wolves? But also... Rudy Gobert versus DeAndre Ayton is not really a conversation there in terms of help defense. Like Gobert's a, a great help defender. He's a, a guy who's feared. Ayton's just not. Like he's good and athletic and quality, but there's just levels to that. And I think that Ayton can excel in different moments, and then he could very well rise to the occasion again this time. But we're just gonna have to see on that front. And finally, uh, Michael Malone. I'm going to go through a couple of these here a little bit quicker. Uh, quote, on the process of scouting the Suns, quote, we have a pretty good idea of who they are and how they want to play from these, from those two meetings and from watching their first round series against the Clippers. We understand that this team offensively is dynamic. Uh, yeah, and what he's really referencing there is the fact that there weren't a lot of great one-on-one matchups between the Nuggets and the Suns that feature KD and feature the Nuggets starters. So Denver didn't really have a great scout in terms of how they're exactly they're going to target Jokic and how exactly like Denver can target their other guys. But they did get to see what it looks like when the Suns are at full strength because the Suns did play multiple games at full strength against Denver. So should be interesting to see. On the talent of the Suns, quote, we'll have our hands full. We know how talented they are. There's a reason why they're the odds-on favorite to come out of the West right now. But I can tell you this. Our guys are excited for the challenge. And we all believe that if we play our game, we're capable of... um, I don't know what the the last little bit here is. Uh, We're capable of beating anybody. Okay. That's a great quote from Malone. And I'm sorry I butchered the end of it. But it's nice to see him really talk about that and and just say, hey, we understand that they're the favor. We understand what this means. We understand how this goes. Uh, He also had this quote on Denver being the underdog is the one seed in the series. Quote, 
We don't take that personal. We know who we are. We know what we're capable of. Uh, said that multiple times, was very much stressing that. And that is a good sign, I think, if you're a Nuggets fan. So look, they understand that they're the favorite. They are going to take at least a little bit of offense to it, but they can't think about that. They can't think about why they're the underdog. They just have to be confident. Like, no, we, we are, we should be favored. We should be good. Like, we are good enough in this situation in order to get this done. Uh, I, I think that that's more of Denver's mentality rather than the former, but uh, we will, we'll just have to see. Quote uh, on Denver's pick and roll defense, quote, we know that to defend a team like that, we have to give them different looks, whether that's personnel-wise, as well as our coverages in those pick and rolls. You give a great offensive team a steady diet of anything, and they're going to get into a rhythm and pick you apart. Um, that's going to be a big point. Like Denver can't just do the same thing. They can't just do uh, drop coverage. They can't just do... Guarding at the level, they, they'll, they're going to have to switch. They're going to have to go zone. They're going to have to press up and try to blitz. They're going to have to play drop. They're going to have to switch up the personnel. They are going to do a lot of different things in uh, on the defensive end to try to at least slow down what the Suns are doing. I think they have a pretty healthy fear, like a healthy respect for what the Suns are capable of. And they're going to approach the series knowing that, look, they have to reach a certain level in order to match that. And whether they reach that level or not remains to be seen. But I do think that they at least understand the assignment, which is the most important thing. Like you understand it, you know it's at stake, and you know what's at stake for you if you don't get it done. So you're just going to have to do anything and everything in order to get past that. So it should be interesting to see how they handle it. Uh, and then I asked finally on Denver's health, and he said, quote, overall, our guys are mentally and physically in a good place as we head into round two. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Denver is the healthiest they've been in a while. They are physically at the best place they've been in a while. They are in a good place to actually get this done and to actually take this series as seriously as they possibly can. There aren't any excuses. If the only excuse is that they don't have good enough talent or they don't execute well enough or they don't play well enough, then that's not good enough. And that's just not an excuse that you can really take. So hopefully Denver can get that done. I am looking forward to it, but that's pretty much the, the practice notes. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to circle back to mailbag time and see what's up with the mailbag. But first, Everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Make sure to check out their app as we get into postseason hockey, postseason hoops. Baseball's coming around. That's the easiest one to bet on if you are a baseball fan. Baseball is back. They are going to give you all of the opportunities to bet on just about any matchup you want to. And you can make it all count with Superbook Sports. It's the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, make sure to get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call one 800 522 
4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the pod, as always. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe. If you're listening in on the podcast side of things, the audio side of things, if you're watching this on YouTube, hello. Make sure to give this a like. Make sure to subscribe to the MHS YouTube channel. We are growing that bad boy out as much as we can, putting out as much content as we possibly can on that end. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, Funky Puma, thank you for the love. I appreciate that. Love catching the podcast live. Great work, Ryan. Appreciate it. I always love to do this as well. And I'm, I've slowly grown to love the, the YouTube side of things. That's a that's a not something I expected to do, but I'm I'm glad I'm here. Glad I'm here. Thank you for thank you for having me. Mailbag time. Mailbag time. Let's now get into this. I'm looking forward to this. If you have questions in the chat, make sure to comment them on the YouTube side of things. Uh, If not, then I'm going to go through kind of what is a set list of questions. I'll have some of these carry over for the Nuggets AMA tomorrow. So make sure to go listen to that one as well. That'll also be up on the YouTube channel if you're there. Uh, It'll probably show up on Twitter as well. So Make sure to find that when you can. It's it's great work that we do with Kim Becker. Uh, she's a great host. She does it with all of the beats uh, on the YouTube side, doing Rockies, Nuggets, Avalanche, Broncos. There's plenty to talk about, plenty to discuss. And uh, I'm excited to be able to discuss it on Fridays with Kim. So make sure to check that out. But first, let's go through the mailbag. We're going to start with this one. Garrett Rice says, will this be the toughest series for the eventually uh, champ? I think the eventual champ. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is tough because this, I think, assumes that the champ is going to be one of the Nuggets or the Suns. Uh, it might not be. It, it might be the Celtics who just advanced. It might be the Sixers who advanced. It will not be the Milwaukee Bucks who, I don't know if you knew this, guys, their season was not a failure. <laughs> their season was not a failure, uh, despite the fact that they are a one seed that lost to an eight seed in five games while having the best record in the NBA. Uh, that's not a failure, but that is what it is. Uh, I know <laughs> Giannis doesn't have a lot of haters, but I, I, I thought that that was such a weird, weird transaction that, that happened in that post-gamer uh, last night. But is what it is. I know Nuggets fans would be like, yeah, if we lost to the T-Wolves in five games, that would be a failure. That would be pretty tough. So it is what it is. But Garrett, you say, will this be the toughest series? for whoever the champion is. If it's the Nuggets or the Suns that are the eventual champion, I think that this will be the toughest for the Nuggets for sure. Whether it's the toughest for the Suns, if they if they ultimately get past it, remains to be seen. I think that a team like the Celtics matches up a little bit better uh, from a defensive perspective than a team like the Nuggets does. But the Suns aren't going to be able to stop the Nuggets. There's no doubt about that. I think that these teams are going to have to raise their individual offensive levels to match the other team's offensive level. That, to me, feels like a a pretty standard thing. So, Garrett, you might be right. You might be right about this one. It it could be very interesting to see who actually gets to that level 
and whether the Nuggets can can rise to what that championship level is necessary to be in just the second round. Uh, they may have to. They may have to just to be able to get through this. But like, if, if Denver does advance to the Western Conference Finals, for example, it's either going to be probably the Warriors or the Lakers, but I mean, it might be the Kings or the or the Grizzlies. Both of those teams are down 3-2 in their perspective series. So if it's the Warriors or the Lakers, though, then I, I think the Suns are a tougher matchup for Denver than the Warriors or Lakers are. And then if you get to the NBA Finals, I, I also kind of think that, that the Suns are a tougher matchup for them than the Sixers or the Celtics. Like I just think that their shot making off the dribble is it has been Denver's kryptonite for a long time. So this is where you can uh, kind of battle back a little bit and see what you're actually made of. And if Denver can get through this, then they'll have confidence going up against anybody because Devin Booker averaged like 37 in the first round and KD is KD. So these guys are, are dope. They're, they are very, very good. And if Denver does ultimately win it, they'll have earned it. There's no way that they won't have. So should be interesting. Nuggets Film Room asks a, a very uh, social question, if you catch my drift, Michael. Uh, who are the best players in this series, number one to ten? Who do the Nuggets need the best players to be to win this series? I think going into this, I, I think that Jokic, given that he's won the previous two MVPs, has to be considered the top guy. Although if you're a Suns fan, if you're a national fan, you're probably looking at that thinking, okay, KD and Devin Booker both have a claim. The way that they're playing, the way that they're playing in that first round, the way that KD always really rises to the occasion in these playoffs, like he's got a great claim for it. But I will say right now that the best players in the series are number one, Jokic, number two, KD, number three, Booker, number four, Murray, number five, Aaron Gordon, number six, Chris Paul, number seven, Michael Porter, number eight, DeAndre Ayton, number nine, I think it's both Bruce Brown and KCP at nine and ten, depending on the the matchup or the whatever you think, whatever you think you want to say uh, between those two. But I think Denver's got six of the top ten, and they may have the best guy. The problem is that if Denver has the if they have the best guy, then that's always going to make it a, a great thing. But if DeAndre Ayton can prevent, if he can prevent Nikola Jokic from being the best player in the series, then that will go a long way for the Suns because you know that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are going to each average like 30 plus. Like that's just how it's going to be. These guys are dope. They are incredible scorers. It's going to be like the Nuggets, I think, are going to make it tougher on them than the Clippers made. But I still think that Denver, they're they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of, of work in front of them in order to actually slow those guys down. Uh, but I think in general Denver can if if Jokic is the best guy and if Murray is the fourth best guy, then Denver can win. If Murray's the third best guy or the second best guy in the series, then that's a little bit different. If he's the fifth or sixth best guy, then that's probably really bad. Like that would be probably a death sentence for that. But look, Denver can like it, it kind of reminds me actually of Nuggets versus Clippers in the bubble 
where going into that series, I think a lot of people would have said, yeah, it's Jokic, then it's or it's Jokic and Kawhi kind of battling for that. Probably Kawhi is, is the best player of that series. Then Paul George, clearly better than Jamal Murray. And then Jamal's at four. By the end of that series, it was clearly Jokic at the top, then probably Kawhi, then Murray, then PG. And that really helped out Denver in that series. I, I think that we could see a similar thing here, where if Jokic and Murray really upset that pecking order, where everybody thinks that Booker and Durant are going to dominate, and if it's Murray and Jokic that are consistently dominating and can't really be stopped, that that's going to help. That is going to really help Denver throughout this series. But we'll see. We will see. I, I think that that's probably where it's got to be. Positive point, I think, would be Michael Porter. I put him at seven in this particular one. But if he outplays Chris Paul, if he outplays Aaron Gordon and gets up to like number five in that pecking order, wouldn't surprise me at all. That'd be great. That would be the, the best case scenario, I think, for Denver is that Michael Porter Jr. is the fifth best player in the series and just plays like a man possessed as the third best option on the team. Uh, that would be a great positive thing. Um, Freddie says, uh, you brought up a great point on the other podcast that the Nuggets are so much longer than the Clippers were versus the Suns. I think that's going to be a huge difference. I, I agree, Freddie. I think that that's going to be the one where I am, I'm really looking forward to on, on this particular series, just to see if they can get better contests. Like, I know a lot of people don't really respect Denver's defense. I know they don't really respect what they're, what they're looking at, but I think that this is a good possibility that Denver actually rises to that occasion and plays pretty well. Uh, let's go to this now. Todd says, Ryan, would you say Tory Craig is Phoenix's best defender? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's tough. The way Devin Booker played during that Clipper series, like he averaged like 2.6 steals a game. That's incredible. That's, that's a great number. And Kevin Durant's actually a pretty good defender himself. Now, Torrey Craig is going to be the guy that you deploy. Josh Okogie is another guy that between those two, I, I think is probably the best individual defender on the Suns. But Booker and Durant are capable. Like, there's no doubt about it. They will rise to that occasion. They aren't, like, elite defenders, I don't think, but they're pretty close. And the effort that they have to put on the offensive end, they probably can't be the best that they can be on the defensive end. But I do think that a guy like Torrey Craig can bust his ass for 48 minutes and probably guard Jamal a ton, probably guard Michael Porter a ton, and try to frustrate those guys as much as possible. So should be interesting for sure. Uh, but that would be... That would be an interesting matchup for sure. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Torrey Craig looks like. He shot 55-56% from three in the first round series, but didn't really have to guard anybody, at least not seriously, in order to get that series win. He'll have to slow down Murray. He'll have to slow down Porter. And if he slows down on the offensive end, uh, Torrey Craig does, then maybe Denver has at least a slight advantage. We'll see. Next one here. Uh, Reuven Blau asks, why is Jokic struggling at the free throw line? Is his wrist injury a factor? Uh, and then Chef Baldwin says something in just a little bit that I'll, I'll also address. I do think that Jokic hasn't ever really struggled at the free throw line in the playoffs before. Let's just go back and look at his 
playoff numbers, and, and we'll see if that can be of use. Uh, in the playoffs in his career, Jokic, for his career, has averaged 84.6%, 83.5%, 83.6%, 84.8%, and then he's at 706 in the last series. So maybe he's due. Maybe that's just where it's at. Maybe he's due and will be better in the upcoming series, but I don't know. I, I think that's going to be very interesting to see. 70% is just not going to cut it. He will be better. I, I He's a gamer. He's going to rise to that occasion. I feel pretty good about that, but maybe the wrist injury is, is affecting him. I don't want to give him that out because I think that he's made some impressive jumpers in this series, and like he went three of eight, I'm pretty sure, from three in game five. So it's not like he can't do it. Uh, will he actually do it? Is that going to be a consistent thing? I, I don't really know. But uh, he was wearing his wrist tape today in practice. So maybe he maybe he's going to go back to that and that's something that he's just going to have happen. Uh, Chef Baldwin also asks, level of concern with Jokic's wrist after a poor shooting other night? Um, for me, if, if if I'm grading on a scale out of one to ten, one being I'm not concerned at all, ten being I am super duper concerned. Uh, four, four. Like I'm I'm not going to go super concerned level just because it's it's Denver can't let that be a factor. Like Jokic can't let that be a factor, and he won't. Like he's never going to, never going to make mention of it. Never going to. Say, oh yeah, this is really bothering me. He's always going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to play through it. No, no issues there. But it, it's yeah, it's not great. Uh, I think he's fine. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll probably get surgery in the off season. That would be my guess. But uh, that's not a sourced report or anything like that. That's just speculation. But we'll see. We'll see what it looks like with him. I, I just think that he he doesn't really think about it during the game. That's that's something I will say is that if it's giving him pain, he stops thinking about the pain. That's I don't think that's something that's really affecting a shooting form. All right. Tell you what, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we will talk about some other questions, answer some other questions from both the comments section and from the mailbag. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by uh, some other great folks. Uh, actually, you know what? We're going we're gonna to go to... Uh, an old faithful here. I want to. I want to go to an old faithful commercial, and everybody can enjoy. and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love on the show. Uh, apologies there. As you guys know, I'm still trying to get over that sickness. I needed a couple sips of water there, so I just wanted to, uh, to offload that if I could. All right, let's circle back here. I thought I saw a question coming from Lucas. If, if you guys have other questions, make sure to drop them in the comments as well. Uh, Lucas asks, do you think foul trouble will be a major issue in this series? If so, who would you expect to step up in the rotation? It's a big deal. I don't think that Jokic would be a guy who really has the major foul trouble. 
I'd be surprised if he puts himself into that position where he gets that. Uh, the times where Jokic fouled, it was more against Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert battling on the interior, not as much on the perimeter trying to stop guys, but like he, he could commit a blocking foul here or there. Like I'm, I'm sure that Chris Ball will draw a foul on him at some point. I'm sure Devin Booker and Kevin Durant will draw fouls on him at some point, but he's got to stay out of foul trouble. He knows that it's more important that he gives up a bucket than gives up a foul, if I'm being honest. So unless it comes down to like the fourth quarter, but uh, I don't think that he will be in major foul trouble this series. Knock on wood. Uh, the guys who I think will be in major foul trouble are Aaron Gordon, KCP, and Bruce Brown. I think those guys will probably be the three who are in consistent trouble the most. Uh, Aaron Gordon is going to foul Kevin Durant. Like I think everybody's got to get ready for that. It's going to be tough. He is going to try to cut off drives. He's going to try to... Uh, be at there are going to be plenty of issues there where, where he's going to have to figure that out. But I do think he can. I, I don't think that there's like if he's not trying to contest too tightly, then he won't foul. But I do think that in those situations, and especially when Denver gets cross matched, if AG is trying to guard somebody like Devin Booker, if KCP is trying to press up against Kevin Durant, one of the things that KD did really well in that Clipper series. Uh, just drawing so many free throws is by catching the ball at the elbow or catching the ball in the mid range, and when he's got the switch on him against somebody like that, like some six foot four guy or six foot five guy, he just drives around them, and then if he doesn't feel the contact, he will rise up into his shooting motion and go to the mid range that he hits ninety five percent of the time, which or at least that's how it feels. If he doesn't. Like, if he feels the contact, then he's going to, like, he's going to act like he's getting fouled a lot. He's going to uh, be bothered by it physically. He's going to show the ref, hey, look at this little guy that's getting in my way. And he's going to draw fouls because when he's Kevin Durant, that's just kind of how it happens. So I would expect those three guys, uh, when they run guard to forward action, where they like the one three pick and roll and try to ISO. KD will draw fouls on Bruce Brown. He will draw fouls on KCP. He'll probably draw fouls on Murray. Uh, he'll probably draw fouls on Porter. But I think the three guys that if I'm, if I'm thinking about foul trouble, it's probably KCP, AG, and, and Bruce Brown. Next, um, let's see. Timbo asks, what's going on with KCP? Why didn't he play in the second half of the last game? Is he okay? Uh, first of all, yes, KCP's okay. I think one of the things that people haven't really realized is that Bruce Brown can close the game for guys other than Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and that's a great thing, by the way. Like most of the time, if KCP, like KCP's going to be out there because he's steady, because he's a good floor spacer, he's going to be helpful. He wasn't super helpful in that game five. And like he, I think it was a low in team plus minus. So they decided to go a different direction. Michael Porter is a guy that they trusted. AG is going to be out there. And I do think that uh, sometimes what Denver was, was really hoping for in this offseason when they signed and traded for both Bruce Brown and, and uh, KCP 
was that one of those guys would be in the closing lineup. They didn't always think that it was going to be KCP. Like, he's great. He's fantastic. But the fact that KCP has always been in crunch time for them, I think it's colored the fact that he doesn't always have to be. He, he could be a guy who uh, – he could be a guy that sits on the bench. He can play 25 minutes. Doesn't always have to play 35 in, in those situations. But I don't think there's anything wrong specifically. I, I think that he will play. Uh, he'll play a ton against Devin Booker, against Kevin Durant. Like, that's going to be a matchup where he has to excel. And if he doesn't, then Denver's probably in trouble. And that's that's going to be it's going to be very interesting to to watch. Um, got a comment here. Sorry, trying to manage all of the banners. Uh, Billy Rick asks, "Who do you think will have a bigger impact this series, Brown or friend of the show, Brown?" Uh, great question and great plug. If you haven't seen the interview that I did with Christian Brown. Uh, that's one that everybody should check out. It was a nice sit-down interview. I'm wearing this weird uh, pullover uh, gray sweatshirt that doesn't have a hood on it and looking extremely uncomfortable, kind of slumped like this uh, for the entire time. But we had, we had a really good combo. It was good. And uh, Christian, I think, showed that he was ready in this last series. He didn't play a ton of minutes, but I, I do think that he... I do think that he's ready to step up and play a larger role in this series. That being said, in terms of bigger impact in this series, I still think that Bruce Brown has to be that guy. He's going to have to be a better defender against Devin Booker and against Chris Paul than any of the Clippers guys were. None of the Clippers guys could really slow down Devin Booker. I don't think that Bruce Brown's going to slow him down that much either, but he's got to make him work for it. Got to push him out. Got to like, and he's also got to be a complimentary ball handler. He's got to be aggressive. He's got to run in transition, do all of those things. And then Bruce Brown can do that. So, I do think that Bruce Brown will have a larger impact, partially because he's definitely going to play more minutes. But Christian Brown should play too. You should absolutely play. I think this is a series where Denver can probably get away with going a little bit smaller than they did against the. Deals where they played MPJ at the three most of the time. I think they have to play MPJ at the four at times, even against KD, because AG is going to be in foul trouble. You can't automatically just put Jeff Green in there and say, yeah, hey, Jeff, guard KD. Sometimes you're going to have to put MPJ out there and say, hey, MPJ, guard KD. And that's going to be tough. But the way to do that is you play a little bit smaller. You put Christian Brown at the three as opposed to, uh, I don't know, somebody bigger like a Jeff Green and then have MPJ at the three. If you put Christian Brown at the three, move MPJ to the four, then you can at least switch some of those actions a little bit. And it's it's going to be a little bit crowded. It's not crowded, but it's going to be a little bit clunky. May not be perfect. But Denver had some of their best defensive possessions when Christian Brown was at the three and Michael Porter was at the four. How crazy is that? That's not so supposed to happen. So it should be interesting to see. All right. Sorry, I'm still trying to I'm, – I'm almost there. I've, I've got through 44 minutes, and that was the first time I coughed. So we're, we're getting better. We are getting better. <laughs> Big man, you're, you're thinking just like me, man. I, I was doing so well, doing so well for a while, but we will see how it goes. Had a lot of cough drops and tea and supplements and drugs, and drugs being like, like sickness drugs. But 
maybe the other stuff too. Um, all right, let's go a little bit more of these questions here. Uh, in the clutch says, sorry, let me get back to it. Steve Jones Jr., who's a good name on Twitter for people to follow if they're looking for video content, if they're looking for smart basketball content. Uh, he says he, th- he thinks that Denver may need to play drop in the pick and roll against Chris Paul. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. And the reason why I agree is because you cannot load up to Chris Paul in this series and expect to be like expect to be good. There are going to be too many opportunities for Devin Booker on the weak side, Kevin Durant on the weak side. Those guys, you cannot just give them open threes like on the rotation. That's the thing. That is the thing that Denver's going to get killed with if they do during a playoff series. They have to let Chris Paul beat them. Like that's just probably the thing. Can't just leave Devin Booker and KD to spot up wide open because those guys, it feels like they make them 100% of the time for those open threes. Now, they may not, like that, that you might get lucky and they might shoot 40% from three on those shots as opposed to 60% from three. But Chris Paul killed Denver last series uh, two years ago when, when these two teams played. I looked up the numbers live on the podcast last time and nearly like threw up when I saw them. He shot like 63% from the field and 75% from three and 100% from the line in that series. That's a tough way to go. He had like a 10 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. Like he just wasn't bothered. And he was playing the best basketball maybe of his life. And that dude has played elite basketball. So I think it's going to be tough. But he is not the same version of Chris Paul that he was two years ago. I really do think that. And the one thing that Denver can really take solace in in this particular matchup is they can hunt Chris Paul in the pick and roll with. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray can post him up. He can run him through screens. He can pick and roll him to death. And the team can try to wear down Chris Paul over the course of the series. That is going to be a thing that I think is a big pivot point for Denver. And if Chris Paul hits five of five on mid-range jumpers in a game, you're probably going to lose that game. But he could go two of five. And if he goes two of five, then you probably have a better chance. You just do. So that's going to be the battle. That is going to be where Denver either wins or loses this series, I think. I think that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are going to each average 30-plus. If Chris Paul also averages like 18 on 50% from the field and 40% from three, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat. Sorry. like I know Nuggets fans understand that too. So going to be very interesting to see, but you got to give up something. And that's the one something I think that they can – like they're going to try to lose. Whether they can or not remains to be seen. Uh, what's up, KB82? Uh, going to answer that question now. If KD starts to heat up and puts Gordon in foul trouble, should they play Watson some since his length and athleticism seem to give him a little trouble? Um, Maybe. I, I, I don't want to go out of my way to say that Peyton Watson isn't going to be successful in this series. Like, he might. There's a there's a world where KD could be bothered by Peyton Watson. I think the far more likely situation, if Peyton Watson gets out there, is KD is going to go to the free throw line a ton. He's just going to get him off his feet. 
He is going to put him into rotation. He is going to get him out of position, and he is going to draw fouls. And Peyton Watson's a rookie. He's barely played. He doesn't understand. Like, it's just just going to be really tough. Uh, Christian Brown is going to get the same treatment too, by the way. But I just think that Christian Brown is a little bit more fundamentally sound than Peyton right now. But if it's a wrinkle that you have to throw out there just because of foul trouble, then maybe. Maybe so. I don't think that Jeff Green is going to be able to stop Kevin Durant. I don't think that Aaron Gordon is going to be able to stop Kevin Durant. But if Aaron Gordon gets into foul trouble and your next best options are Jeff Green and Michael Porter Jr. or Christian Brown, then maybe you go to Peyton Watson. You don't feel good about that, right? Like It doesn't feel good to go to that in this situation. I remember thinking back like two weeks before the end of the season, the regular season, I didn't think that Peyton Watson was going to get a single minute. <laughs> like That was not going to be on my bingo card for how the, the Suns matchup was going to go. But I don't know. Like If he does show up in those situations, then more power to Denver and more power to Michael Malone if he trusts him in that situation. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine Michael Malone looking down his bench being like, well, could go to Zeke, could go to DeAndre and play drop, could go to some of these other veterans and try to play a little bit smaller. Nah, we're going to go to Peyton Watson, who was in the G League for the majority of the season and played like 150 actual minutes of game time. That's tough. That's just a tough sell. It doesn't mean that it can't happen, but I am very interested to see what it looks like. Uh, Todd says, Zeke could be better than DJ versus Phoenix. Maybe. Like, I don't think that DJ will be great in a series against Phoenix because of the drop coverage. But if the Suns guys miss their jumpers, and if Denver provides pretty good contests, then DJ is going to get those those defensive rebounds. That's the whole benefit. It's a gambit of like, hey, is your mid-range shooting going to hold up? I think everybody assumes that Phoenix's mid-range shooting is going to hold up, but we're just going to have to see. That is going to be very interesting. KB82 also asks, how do you think KCP, Bruce, and Brown, uh, Christian Brown, will do against Booker? I talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but I do think that those guys are at least a little bit better suited, especially Christian Brown, to be able to guard Devin Booker. Now, KCP and Bruce Brown are basically the same size as a lot of the Clippers guards that they threw out there. Like Terrence Mann and uh, Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon and Norman Powell and guys like that. Devin Booker shot over those guys, around those guys, above those guys, and away from those guys. And and hit everything. Christian Brown has a little bit more athleticism and reach and ability to contest in the ISO, I think. So maybe that's something that, that helps in that matchup. Uh, but... KCP and Bruce also have a very similar physical profile to the guys with the Clippers. So I think it may be more the same. I think that Denver in general just has better length and athleticism at other positions too. So they will probably fare a little bit better than, or like, you know, Denver's guys will probably fare a little bit better against Booker than the Clippers guys did. But that's basically saying, hey, he's going to get 32 points per game as opposed to 37 points per game. And if that's the case, then maybe Kevin Durant goes for 30 points per game as opposed to the 26 or whatever he averaged. So I don't think it's going to be cut and dry. I think that Denver's going to struggle to guard. That's just how it's going to be. And that's a tough thing for Nuggets fans to hear. 
But Denver's going to really have to fight back on the offensive end in this series for sure. Um, and finally, we'll, we'll do one final question here before we get out of here. And I'm going to save some of these other questions for the AMA tomorrow. So make sure to check that out too. Uh, but this last one comes from Fernando. The Suns shoot a lower number of three-pointers per game. Do you think that they try to bump those numbers against a Nuggets team that can struggle to contain those corner threes? Absolutely. This is what I'm talking about with the drop coverage from Chris Paul. This is exactly what I'm talking about. When you play drop coverage, you stay home on those outside shooters. You cover two-on-two, and you say, hey, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, you guys are going to get a two-pointer here. You're going to get a two-point mid-range look that's pretty clean, most likely. As long as you don't get a wide-open three, as long as you don't get a wide-open shot at the rim, if you get a contested two-pointer, that's the best thing Denver can give up. If you get an open mid-range two-pointer, yeah, it's not great, but it's probably better than the alternative in most cases. So the Nuggets have to ask themselves, what are they willing to live with? And I think that they're going to try to get into that. So they'll probably play a little bit more drop. They might play a little bit more of an aggressive drop. Maybe they'll try to blitz occasionally. But the most important thing is that they're going to try to switch up their coverages. And as long as they're on point with the switches, as long as they're communicating well, as long as they're playing well, uh, hustling, doing everything that they need to do, making uh, just kind of lacking mental mistakes in that, then they could probably still limit the number of threes that the Suns are getting. The fact is that the Suns are getting the fewest amount of threes in the entire NBA playoffs right now the percentage of shots that they're getting is the fewest in the NBA. So if Denver can keep that up, if they can still prevent the Suns from getting up a bunch of threes, you know, the most valuable shots as opposed to free throws and shots at the rim, then that's going to help them. That's absolutely going to help them from a math perspective. Now, this is a series where you've got a lot of analytics versus true hoopers in, in, in this particular thing because I think a lot of people – talk about Jokic as like an analytics darling. And then you've got the mid-range assassins with Devin Booker and KD. So it's going to be very fascinating to see how this breaks down uh, from a math perspective in this series. But look, the Suns are going to kill. Like they're they're going to be great in that mid-range area. You do not want to also let them be great from three. That would be my take. If you can limit something, try to limit the number of threes and then score on the other end. Don't let them slow you down. Like Denver has to be great on the offensive end for sure. And we are just going to have to see what it looks like. But it is going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. But folks, I think that is going to do it on this particular one. Uh, Michael, if you can hit that outro music for me. We've been going for about 55 uh, but folks, that is going to do it for this mailbag episode of Pickaxe and Roll. I hope everybody enjoyed. A uh, lot of content came out from today. A lot of exciting stuff uh, from, from a question and answer standpoint. So I am going to be doing a live show on the Locked On Nuggets channel with Swiper, with Adam, and Matt tomorrow at 10. 10 a.m. is the start time for that. Make sure to check it out. Should be a lot of fun. That could also go up on this channel at some point. You never know, but it will definitely be in the Pickaxe and Roll feed. So if you don't get to check it out then, check it out later that day on the audio side. Should be great. Everybody hit that like button on the way out. 
should be amazing. Game one's right around the corner. Got plenty of time. It's going to be very fun. See you guys.